listening to Flux Pod. My name is Matthew Perpetua. This episode is a special REM-centric episode. I have my friend Jack Shepard, who you might know from the Babysitter's Club Club. Uh, we're going to talk about songs from the entire REM discography, at least one song per record. Uh, this is a deep dive into REM. And, you know, if you enjoy this, I should tell you that... You know, we recorded this whole thing, the thing that you're going to hear. And then after that, we recorded yet more, kind of like a, a bonus round encore. And you can get that on the Flux blog Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Flux blog. $5 a month will get you everything, but including that. And in that uh, chunk of it, we talk about some of the most popular rem songs it is kind of how it worked out so that one's got fall on me it's got uh find the river night swimming what's a frequency kenneth uh it's the end of the world as we know it you know and a few more but <laughs> those are all in that so if you want to hear that uh you know what to do if you like this episode you like any of these episodes tell people about it uh there's no big money behind this thing this is a word of mouth endeavor so uh, let's, let's, let's cut to it. Let's get to R.E.M. with Jack Shepard. Uh, Jack Shepard, tell the audience who you are and what you do. Uh, always a complicated question these days, um, but I'm a writer and a podcaster. <laughs> and my name is Jack Shepard. So <laughs> that saying writer and podcaster sounds so much more impressive uh, uh, before you actually go into what it is. I have a podcast about the Babysitter's Club, um, and I, um, I write about um, cats. <laughs> <laughs> the Babysitter's Club Club. Yeah, the Babysitter's Club Club. Um, we actually just fit, so it's a it's a podcast that I've been doing with um, my um, friend and co-host Tanner Greenring for I think we just hit our five year anniversary, um, and we have run we're, we every week for five years we talked about a different Babysitter's Club book of which there are many. It's a book for teens uh, in the nineties. In case you're not familiar with it. Um, and we ran out of books um, a, a little while ago, so it's it's sort of like because it took five years to get there, we never thought we'd get to that place. But we're we're kind of figuring out what the next what the next step is now that we've jumped <laughs> but, off. And this you have precipice. a loyal audience; they're they're a loyal and fervent audience. The Baby Nation is is devoted and wonderful. Um, so we're very lucky to have them. And and but we're going to be at a point where we're going like right probably right about now where we're going to have to ask them to stick with us, even though there's just like there is no more babysitting content to be had. <laughs> Have you gone through like the TV shows and things like that? Oh yes, yeah, we that <laughs> yeah. yeah, like every possible version. They they um, had a Netflix um, series a year ago um, of of the Babysitters Club that was pretty popular, and we were able to able to have like a lot of the cast on the show, and that was really good for us. Um, uh, it also gave us like you know twelve more episodes before we jumped off the cliff. I think we're gonna do romance novels next. It feels like the same. Um, it's sort of we can apply a lot of the same um, rubric. To uh, do you ever consider like just like maybe like okay maybe we can pivot to Sweet Valley High something like something like that Sweet Valley was like that was the um, that was always the thought <laughs> um, and I I think there's been like th we ended up deciding not to I think partially because Tanner didn't want to I think there's also a thing where it's like 
the the thing about the babysitters club if i may i know this is a music podcast <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the thing about the babysitters club uh, that's like kind of wonderful about it is that it's like it's about these girls being friends and there's like the joke f- f- that that i guess is like after five years of it the joke wears thin but it's like funny to have two like middle-aged dads talking about it um <laughs> it's a little bit harder to do with sweet valley high because like sweet valley is like it's more about like mean girls yeah i think i think there's also a thing of it where maybe it's insulting to the babysitter's club. You know, you through all that. So it's kind of like, you know, you let's say you did a whole thing about Star Trek and then, okay, we ran out of Star Trek. It took a long time, but right. you finally ran out of Star Trek. Well, let's do Star yeah, Wars. Exactly. No, it's a different thing. It's like, all right, it's just, nerds. It's just seems yeah, yeah. You're not even going to notice the difference. <laughs> it's, it's star stuff. It's nerd stuff. Come on. Um, yeah, that's true. So I think we've settled. We've settled on um, this. May be breaking news here, Matthew. So you've got an exclusive. Oh my god! We've settled on romance novels. We're going to change the name of the podcast to Strange Bedfellows, and we're going to uh, explore the wonderful world of romance novels. Um, kind of, you know, it's going to be the same shtick, but <laughs> and you're not going to run out of those anytime. No, soon. exactly. Um, and you know, apparently, just, just running through Daniel Steele. You can do Daniel Steele, and apparently, there's like a whole world of subgenres where it's like, like aliens and yetis and so we can really have a lot of fun with it i think yeah mix it up yeah oh my god and like pushing you further into the world of erotica oh yeah no i'm excited about it (laughs) (laughs) so we're here to talk about rem today Mm -hmm. i will give the audience some context uh jack and i worked at buzzfeed and uh, i remember the first time i met Jack at BuzzFeed. Jack, Jack's, you, you, you are kind of an OG BuzzFeed person, one of the first editorial people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Employee number eight. Yes. Like a big shot. <laughs> um, I, I came a little bit later, but um, I remember the first time I met Jack, meeting him in his office, and like Jack's like wearing like a t shirt and jorts. <laughs> Still am. <laughs> And you wanted to tell me about an REM mix that you had made. And that just really <laughs> stuck in my memory of like, and like, and, but also understanding that you were kind of a senior person uh, there. Like, okay, this is, this is different from where I've worked before. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, I, from my side, um, when we, uh, I learned that we'd hired you to do music. I was just like, holy shit, I need to talk to this man about REM. Um, so, um, it's a, did, did you know that I had done that REM blog? I knew about the, about the blog. Yeah. Every, every yes. song. Yeah. Um, and Th- that thing is, uh, carried with me in very interesting ways. And yeah, I think sometimes I, I kind of push it back against being REM per the REM person. <laughs> yeah. Although that is like paid off in other ways. Like I, I mean, I wrote the liner notes to the monster reissue, you know, things like that. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, That's awesome. Oh, yeah. That was a, like a year, uh, two years ago. Now. Oh, man. You got to tell me these things. <laughs> <laughs> I told everyone. <laughs> I was relentlessly pushing that thing. Um, but yeah, so we're just going to talk about various REM songs uh, in no particular order. And just to kind of just riff on them and just kind of, uh, I mean, some of these I know are, are, are pretty big mutual favorites. Mm-hmm. And I think favorites of uh, most people who love R.E.M. But I think it only makes sense to start with Begin the Begin. Okay. Birdie in the hand 
What's your vibe on Begin the Begin? I um, I think, well, so one thing that Michael Stipe does all the time is that, like, I think it's going to be a through line and a theme is, like, he, like, he takes, like, little phrases that are maybe cliches. Or, like, weird colloquialisms. Uh, yeah, weird little colloquialisms. Um, and... And like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. When it works, it works really well. I mean, I think that losing my religion is a pretty uh, classic example of that, <laughs> um, where it, it like he like extracts all this extra meaning out of it. Um, but then in the case of begin the begin, it's like it's kind of because there's begin the begin, I guess. <laughs> yes. So it's like there's a silliness to it as well, where like you're taking you're taking the you're taking the pun. <laughs> And then you're you're turning it back into like the literal meaning, if that makes sense. Right, and it's it's ultimately kind of like this song uh, about motivating people to activism. I think it's probably like the the most blunt way of describing the song. Yeah, and that's like I, especially like I mean, life's rich pageant. Like, there's a lot of that where it's like I mean, fall on me is that too? Where it's like, is it about acid rain? Days. Yeah, like like it's it, there are these like political overtones that that also like kind of fall by the wayside when it's like it's a like a it's a driving like rock song that like it sounds like something that you would say to like motivate yourself yeah i mean to that point like the heaviest song they had recorded too yeah uh, i mean so to your point um i actually have uh the the liner notes of the part lies part heart part truth compilation in front of mm-hmm. me I just pulled it out just in case, and just in case of a moment like this. But the the thing that Michael says about that song in the liner notes is, I always liked opening a song with a birdie and a hand, <laughs> two fantastically honest gestures, the fuck off and the rampant applause. <laughs> I had never thought of that line in that way. Wow. But yes, exactly. I mean, that's that that's so the point where he's using like these two uh, colloquialisms and then putting them side by side for that effect. Yeah. That. You know, it's not even like something that's totally obvious because I, th- I think I always heard it as a, a birdie in the hand. Yeah, a bird in the hand is what I. Yeah, exactly. A completely different effort. Uh, yeah. Completely different uh, phrase. Part of life's rich demand. <laughs> the insurgency began and you missed yeah. it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like that insurgency as well, too. I mean, it is like this, like the politics of REM is so interesting because they're they're very much, especially early on, especially in this era, like a very political band. But it's also like yeah, this is always this is hard kind of like to the parse. beginning of the, that that uh, that late '80s phase where they are kind of like an arena political band. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because this is a, this record definitely shifts out of like the like, I think the first three records kind of have a smaller feeling to them. Yeah, and I like I mean that line too. Like the the insurgency began and you missed it. It's it's like it's like I mean, is it a call to arms for activists? But it's also like hey, like, fuck you, you're late to the party. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think it's almost like the insurgency is the other side. Oh, right. Okay, know? yeah, yeah. Like, you're looking at, like, that's the that, that's Reagan. Yeah. That's all that. I mean, I think, you know, even just, like, in the more recent past, the insurgency at the Capitol. Like, uh, yeah, know, the totally. End of the Trump. Um, yeah, there's another line in the th- that song where it's, like, um, the only vote that matters. Right. You know, it's, like, it just, it's the, all, the whole understanding that the all of this is stacked against anyone good and reasonable. Yeah, totally. Um, I always think of Michael Stipe. Um, I can't remember what music awards it was, but like having like uh, like ten different political T-shirts on. 
Oh yeah, it was the MTV <laughs> Awards. I think that's when they were like uh, accepting the awards for uh, losing my religion. Yeah. Um, and then the other famous one is, I think, an SNL performance uh, where the shirt, this is like, so it like dates me to know this, but like wearing a shirt that said, no newt is good newt. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, you know, part of this, like as, as they become public figures, like the, this like perennially shy Michael Stipe, like feeling this like absolute need to always like make a political statement in some way. But but they're always a little, you know, they're not the most obvious statements. They're not. It's no, not, exactly. Like, I think I think Begin the Begin really works. And a, a lot of these songs from this era really work because even if they're very direct in some ways, they're also kind of obscure in others. So there's a level of abstraction that makes it less didactic. Yeah. Um, that song it, also it is, rocks. It, it's, not, it, it, it's, not, it's not. It doesn't like obscure in a way that you miss the larger point, but it it makes it so. It's not you know like a Gang of Four, for example, where you know there's it's just uh, like a bluntly hitting you over the head with slogans, right? Um, yeah, and that I don't know that I th- feel like as as like an album opener. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, unstoppable is an album. Completely opener. unstoppable, and like for I, I like Life's Rich Pageant. I like the question of like, what's your favorite REM album? I imagine, like, I imagine you and I are similar. That we'll probably always have different answers. In that, it's like it really depends on the year of my life. Yeah, or uh, just like the general mood that I'm in at the moment. But like, yeah, because um, yeah, because I think like the ones I love the most, I love them for really different reasons. Like I would, like I wouldn't really like. Like the, the reasons I would connect to Green are not the reasons I would connect to uh, Automatic for the People or New Benders and Hi-Fi. No, totally. Uh, but yeah, I think Life's Rich is the one that I like. If I like, if you like, forced me <laughs> to say a definitive answer, that's the one that I tend to come back to. Um, that one has a really nice kind of like spring summer feeling to it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like it's it's fun. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's like there's a kind of brightness to it. I think uh, Reckoning has a similar brightness to it. Yeah, and it's like after, like I think, like the importance. I, we're gonna be jumping around a lot, I guess. But like, F- Fables of the Reconstruction is like such a dark and difficult album um, in a lot yeah. of ways, and like part of that is, I think, to do with the sequencing. Um, like I think I do think those two albums speak to each other in a way, um, but but Life's Rich Pageant is just like it, it it's like almost it, it, despite like having these like I don't know like serious political themes and like it's like like if you look at the lyrics it's not like it's not all like flowers of Guatemala. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but it's true. Like, so that they 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 have this tendency to have like a, like a dark record and a bright record, kind of back and back. So you know, Murmur is the kind of like murkier one, and and Reckoning is very bright. Then it's back to a murkier sound with Fables, and then bright uh, with Life's Rich Pageant. And I think you know you can kind of do the same thing where like Monster is the more bright one, and then New Adventures totally. is the darker one. Well, I think, and this is something that I hope like I that, like I think this is going to be a theme that we'll draw out as we talk about these songs. But like a thing that, that when I think about REM and their discography, um, a thing that is true of them maybe more than a lot of bands is that like constant, if you'll excuse the pun, reckoning with. Um, with like their like the the rest of their work, <laughs> like they're constantly in in like pretty pretty like 
intense and maybe sometimes like frustrated conversation with their previous albums and like feeling like they need to reinvent themselves. Like I think a thing that like in thinking about REM over the last day, like the the thing that I keep coming back to is this like framework that was like the entire narrative, um, probably starting with automatic for the people all the way through and passed up. That's like Bill Barry just wants to rock. You know, and <laughs> oh, it's God, like even even just talking to them about that record, <laughs> like they like that's um because I was trying to like get at like what their motivations were. And it really did come down to that we had just made two records that were very, you know, much more quiet yeah. and much less uh geared to the stage. Yeah. Um it really was like a, a reaction to the, the previous stuff and and also Michael wanting to explore glam. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like, if Bill Berry ever hears another mandolin again, he's gonna like go move <laughs> to a ranch. Um, but I like, I also think that like, I, I'm interested in in like how much of that, like, not to question them, but like how much of that was myth making versus reality? Because it's like, I mean, it's also like Bill Berry quit the band because he had an aneurysm. Um, yeah. and like, that's probably like a, a real reason, but it's also like, I, like they made their like rockinest album. I think like, like, I don't know if we're going to talk about accelerate. I have like complicated, oh, yeah, sure I will. have complicated feelings about it, but like, that's like, that to me is like the album when, when I hear like Bill Berry just wants to rock, like that's the album that I, I think they're talking about. But it's like they made it after he left, like three albums later. Like, (laughs) I mean, that record was made under under kind of similar circumstances, where you know, uh, around the sun was this belabored record. People didn't like it very much. I think it's their weakest album. Yeah, Uh, you know, it, it it did it didn't do well commercially, and then I think they just had. I think they needed to prove to themselves and to other people like, no, we can still do this. We can still just go out and do like rock songs. We can, you know, we, we have not lost a step. We, we have not like completely faded into middle age. Yeah. I also think though, that like that, that like, th- like that, like that thing for them to push against, like the idea of like whether or not they rock <laughs> is like, yeah. is like it, it, it like may not actually be true. I mean, it's not like, uh, like murmur is like a balls to the wall axe fest, you know, like, it's not like it's like they started off as like, like kick ass, like knock down the doors and like blow I their mean, faces they off. They did though, because like before <laughs> murmur, they were really much more of a garage rock. Yeah, band. I guess that's true. Yeah. They were just kind of a party rock band. Yeah. Um, but well, let's actually talk a little bit about accelerate the song that I, I pulled for that one of living well is the best revenge. Yeah. Like the opening song on that one, which is I think a, a really good rock song and one that's also, you know, responding to, I guess the waning days of the Bush era. Right. <laughs>
Yeah, th- that's. I mean, it's another one too, where it's like it, it's like a it's like pulling a cliche out. <laughs> yes. Um, as as like the and and like I don't like I. Uh, I don't want to be too like accelerate is the album that that although like I agree with you that around the sun is um it, it, like it doesn't work Com- like all of their albums work except or maybe around the sun <laughs> yeah I mean my feeling on around the sun that is there's maybe like six or seven songs that are pretty good and the rest are some of the weakest songs they ever did and it it just kind of feels like a bit leaden as a record yeah it has 13 songs and probably should have 10 yeah you know um but accelerate is the album that i've always had the most difficulty because i like i recognize that it's good um that it, like it has a lot of good qualities and it's like really cohesive um like that like living it's very focused living yeah. well is the best that was events, definitely like, a, a reaction of like okay let's do something it's also pretty short it's like on i think it's like 33 minutes or so it's super short all the songs are short all of the songs are like from mostly the same kind of vocabulary <laughs> Um, yeah, and living well is the best revenge is like a, a like sets the scene and like, uh, like it like you know exactly what you're getting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I, I think that that's a good point. It's it's not really trying to be that interesting. It's just trying to be like exciting and uh, visceral. Um. Yeah, and I mean, it's also like I don't know. It's like kind of a thing that like a rock star says. It's not like I don't like. I'm I'm interested in your thoughts about like the extent to which it's a political statement. I mean, it's it's about like being on like Fox News or something. It, it, in a way, it's kind of a direct sequel to New Test Leper because that's also a song about being on TV and being like and put in a defensive position by like terrible like TV hosts. Yeah, and I guess it also has religious imagery in it as well that lost apostles um, yeah but like uh, but it's an interesting comparison like between those two songs because new test leper is like super interesting <laughs> like it's that, like that's one of stipe's most fi- uh, favorite songs it's an incredible song but it's like it's like if you like describe like if you like explain that song to someone who's never heard it it's like like, it, like, do that thought experiment with New Test Leopard and then, like, with Living Well. Like, Living Well is, like, it's like a, it's like a cool rock song that's maybe about the same thing. But New Test Le- Leper is, like, what if Jesus was on a talk show? <laughs> and, like, yes. and, like, and also I'm an atheist. But, like, let's think about it, like, from the point of view of he really was on a talk show. <laughs> Um, and it's like, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's, yeah, and when we say talk show, we mean like a nineties yeah. kind of like Ricky like Lake, a, like Ricky Lake <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, Geraldo Rivera.
and it's very like I think that like like when like the songs where Michael Stipe like it like is being a char- like a very obvious character um, are often uh, uh, often like a lot more interesting. I mean, I think like Living Well is the best revenge, just like from the point of view of somebody who's not Michael Stipe. <laughs> Uh, I think a lot of them are. Yeah. I mean, I think for a long time, it, 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 the implicate. I'm sorry, the for a long time, like people would just expect the songs to be about him in the way that I think people expected rock stars to be writing about their own experiences in the '90s. That was just a very and you know, people expected kind of a, a very personal thing then. But he, he, if you really look at his catalog. There's only like, you know, it's probably 25% of the time where he's really speaking about his life. Or if he's speaking about his life, he's writing about through other characters yeah. or ideas. You know, it's, it, you know, he's a writer. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, you know, that, that's what writers do. Um, and yeah, there's, there's some songs that we'll get to later that I, I think, uh, like having that kind of shift to realizing that, oh, he's not writing about himself, but he is writing about certainly feelings I'm sure he's had. Um, you know, we, we can actually jump to a good example of that. Uh, uh, country feedback. Yes, please. You come to me with excuses Tucked out in a row Wear me out You wear me out We've been through fake breakdown Self-hurt, plastics, collections Self-help, self-pain, ass, psychics, fuck all. I was central, I had control, I lost my head. I need this, I need this. Paperweight, junk garage, winter rain, a honey pot, crazy. All the lovers have been tapped So country feedback is is really one of the great ones. It's 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 one that's beloved by the audience and the band alike. Um, but that one, you know, he's writing about someone else's breakup. You know, he's made up these two characters who are at the end of at the end of it. You know, but it's like you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure he's drawing on things he has felt or or has seen in other people, and that's you know, part of writing. You know, just that, that kind of keen observation. Yeah, so I have a lot. I think country feedback may be my my favorite REM song. Um, it's certainly top top ten easily. Um, it's interesting because it's like it's like not. I don't know. I mean, like outside of fans, I'm not sure like how. Like it's certainly not the like the most well known song off of Out of Time, and it, in some ways, it probably can't be um, because it's not like. Like it doesn't have a, a like typical like hit structure. It's also like they they occasionally Ariane will occasionally do this thing where they'll name a song after like what it sounds like, right? That, of that was the demo about. name. 
And so like country feedback is like, it's like very descriptive of what, like if, if you haven't heard it, like it's a pretty, like you, now you know what to expect. <laughs> like it sounds yeah. like country feedback, like Ebo the letter is another example. Right. Um, or I guess it's kind of that Ebo the letter is basically two separate working titles just smashed yeah, together. Just smashed together. And like, I, like, I guess like a tangential to that, but like, like in the same vein as like radio song and pop song 89, it's not quite like about like the sonic characteristics, but it's about like what kind of a song is this um but i especially comparing country feedback and ebo the letter which i think to me are like lyrically two of the most like moving and powerful rem yeah songs. They're, they're very similar songs like they have a, a similar mood and and michael sipe's kind of doing a similar kind of i mean it's 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 sung but it's kind, there's kind of a a rhythmic uh speak sing quality to the verses of those i i love um talky michael stipe um i i like i love it when he does that and like so so country feedback has like two parts to it which is the like kind of talking talking part at the beginning and then the like like full-throated like yeah. like a whole end of the song is the chorus um, yeah. like the structure so of it is weird had. um and it's like it's interesting to me and it, it like fits with how i think about uh michael stipe as a lyricist and rem as a band that like those two songs which are both like in some ways like their most profound and like personal and and like like intense and meaningful songs or like they have this distancing effect where it's like let's name them like country feedback should be called crazy what you could have had <laughs> like yeah, that, that's that's, the, that's what that song version. should be called and like you would know what to expect from that in a different way right like if you like picked up an album and you were like oh, one of the songs is called crazy what you could have had like you that would tell you about country feedback it's like it's interesting that they're like the thing we want to tell you about this in incredible song is that like it kind of sounds like got a country twang to it and there's like a lot of feedback. <laughs> yeah, I feel like even though the letter could have just been called the letter. Or no, totally. Called, or it could have been called something like "Taste Like Fear," but I think yeah, having the title be a little inscrutable, I think, helps that song. It's very REM, and it's like also like it's this thing of like keeping you at a distance. Like it's like, hey, I'm about to get like super vulnerable. So to yeah, start, one, I need to keep you at a distance. And that one really is him talking about something personal because that's like him writing to River Phoenix before River Phoenix. Ebo, yeah, yeah. Um, though, like you wouldn't, you know, like like there are other like I guess they have a few elegies, but like Let Me In is the other one. Um, yeah, that that's like it's more obviously, especially given the timing about Kurt Cobain. Um, but Ebo, the letter is like. You could you could be forgiven for missing that Ebo the letter is about River Phoenix unless like somebody told you. I said your name. I wore it like a batch of teenage film stars, half sparse, cherry mash, and tin tiaras, dreaming of Maria Callas, wherever she is. It's fake then, I don't get it. I wrap my hand in plastic to try to look through it. Maybelline eyes and girls boy moves. Well, I mean, there's little tells that he's writing about someone like River Phoenix in the sense that he's talking about uh, the weird impact of celebrity on people. 
and uh, him being kind of a mentor figure, which he was for a bunch of people, like including like Tom York. Totally. Um, but there's also like that real like cursed romance in that song where it's about like this pull between them that you don't know whether or not it's requited or what happened there or if it was something that was threatening to happen that never did because he died you know that's all unknown for the audience yeah but but that is like the the real core of that song regardless regardless of whether you even know what the context is that's that's the song yeah um, but yeah, and then they call it Ebo, <laughs> which is like, yeah, it's got, I didn't know what an Ebo was. I didn't know what a zither was until I heard zither. Yeah. But like, um, but if I can move back to country feedback just really quickly, sorry to like switch back and forth, but like, I do think these, those two songs like have a lot to say to each other. Um, like the, the thing that, that is like, you've probably spent more time thinking about like the two parts of that song, but it, it, it is also a microcosm of a lot of REM songs where it's like the beginning of it, like the talky part, like, which I think is just like awesome. Um, and like, he does a big swear word in it, which like as a, as a teen, I thought was really cool. Um, <laughs> and like rare, like, like Michael Stipe doesn't deploy <laughs> like swearing except like pretty artfully. Um, but like that part is like, it's, it's like, exudes confidence you know it's like you're telling someone off like you come to me with excuses you come to me with a bow in your hand it's like this like it's like somebody who's like like uh, seems like very very confident and then like the second half of that song which is like like totally very different is like is like somebody just falling apart and like and like admitting to to like incredible insecurity (laughs) like i need this (laughs) Um, so I just like, I think those two, like those two things, I, I, I always find like in the best REM songs, I find, I find those two things in, in conflict always. It's like this, like this sense of confidence and, and this sense of like deep insecurity. Um, and there are a bunch of other REM songs that do that, that I imagine we'll probably discuss some of them, but the contrast between like, it's crazy what you could have had and I need this, you know, like one thing kind of uh you know like you'll be sorry and then yeah. no i am sorry I can't do this. you know yeah it's, totally it's, it, yeah uh, yeah <laughs> um it's a pretty good i mean like w- like we're gonna be talking about this but like 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 michael stipe comes at a love song like totally from the back door like anytime he wants to do something that like could be love song adjacent or like about relationships it's like he does not take the easy route <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to like, even like the most obvious ones are still a little weird, you know, or, um, what one, I actually didn't even put this down on the list, but one song I was thinking about pretty recently, cause I've been listening to REM a lot more than I would normally. Um, REM is definitely what the kind of band where I can kind of put them away for like a year or so and coming back to it is more powerful for doing that. Yeah. Um, but suspicion is a song that is about, lust in a way that uh and that's kind of like being like oh we 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 don't need to worry about love we don't need you know it's like i remember there's one version of it where like a live version where he he described it as everybody hurts with a heart on but um, (laughs) with that line in the chorus where it's like can't you see i need nothing too deep 
Yeah. And I really like that because it goes against the idealism or, or, or even the horniest songs will kind of like put something we'll, we'll kind of treat like sex as something uh, with a bit more importance. But with that, it's just kind of like, you know, this, please, please, let's just have our heads empty. For yeah. A moment. Yeah. You're so funny. You're so like maybe a, a slightly darker version of that um and and to, to another extent like don't go back to rockville <laughs> you know it's like don't bother um it's a slightly it's like a slightly different thing but suspicion is also like a glammy michael's type <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of a, the post glam michael yeah so he's and like he's yeah, like he's, he's like a little he's allowing himself to be sensual in a way yeah. that he wasn't quite before yeah, I think Up in general has like a little bit more like Michael Stipe striving for a little bit, like uh, in his way, like striving for like openness, um, like I like in in a very in a very like roundabout REM way. I mean, it's the first one where he's printing the lyrics in full. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Um, and then like at my most beautiful is like, it, it's like I think it's probably like a fairly straightforward love song and like maybe one of the very few <laughs> well you know there, there, there's some of these songs where like there's just enough of like a weird tension in them to make you question how oh how like pure and beautiful they're meant to be taken like i think a really good example is be mine which i have been going back and forth on what the vibe of be mine is forever i think right now i interpret be mine is actually very pure and beautiful
interesting. So is am I? I always get this wrong, but there's like an anecdote that of um, I, when New Adventures came out um, that Michael Stipe was like, "There's this one song. I always think it's you and me, but I, maybe be mine." The, where he's like, if we had recorded this differently, like our like the producer said, if we had recorded this differently, like it would be like a like a number one hit for a year and like oh absolutely. I mean, not listening to, to listening to Be Mine recently, I was thinking, like, wow, someone should really just do a really straight ahead cover of this song and have it be like a big hit. Yeah, like you some, can do some, it. You know, some like nineteen year old, like you know, like Olivia Rodrigo or something like that. Yeah, just take this song because this song is a hit. It, it does not need to sound like this and it can just be as purely beautiful and corny as it could be. That that's a, such a good note for Olivia Rodrigo. I would love to hear uh, Olivia Rodrigo cover of "Be Mine." I I, th- I kind of also like have always wanted to hear that version. Though I again like not to be always questioning REM's motives. Like I I I always even at the time like wondered whether there's truth to that. It's like do you ha- like can you do that? Like I like occasionally like after everybody hurts they would do they would try to do an everybody hurts every now and then and like strange currencies is an example of that i think where it's like this is going to be like a big hit <laughs> right i mean but i've heard like peter talk about like deliberately kind of trying to ugly that song up so it yeah. wouldn't have the same thing um and i wonder if be mine i think maybe more off of new adventures like you and me is more the like shooting for the yeah, if, if they call that song like, "You, You and Me" instead of "Be Mine," I think right. that's another thing. <laughs> I mean, that song is pretty direct. It's just like it's just unadorned, is the thing. Yeah, it doesn't really have. It doesn't kind of signal sentimentality in the way that it could. Like, it, yeah. it would not take much to make that song very, very sappy. Well, yeah, and it's also like "Be Mine" is something that you would write on one of those like Valentine's hearts. You know, like the like those candy hearts, and like it, it. So it's like, it's again, it's like back to this theme that we've been talking about a little bit, where it's like they they, they can't, they, they they like don't have it within them, <laughs> for the most part, to do something straightforward. They have to be like, hey, I wrote this like pretty n- sweet love song, and also like I'm gonna draw attention to that by naming it after like a saccharine like candy heart, like <laughs> instead of something else that's like you know like actually like signals this the the genuine sweetness that is in the yeah. song <laughs> i mean i think the title be mine also undermines it in a different way too where it kind of hints at this sinister thing of possessiveness and you know there, there's that kind of theme in that song of of possessiveness and you know that's where you're like okay is possessiveness necessarily a, a bad thing or is it something that kind of comes naturally from love and you know it doesn't have to be dark it doesn't have to be evil it doesn't have to be smothering it's just you know part of the connection yeah totally and i think depending on like how you would answer that question personally changes how that song is interpreted and also you know at my most beautiful and some of these other songs like that um because i think a lot of uh, the the love songs he have he had he's written has that vibe to it you know like like losing my religion does too you know yeah. country feedback does there's always this thing of uh holding on and letting go and holding on a little too tight and having yeah. it t- like torn away from you well and i think like michael stipe love songs such as they are um like tend to always end up being about like coming back to being about him <laughs> 
yeah. um, and not about the like they'll start off like with this good intention of being uh, seeming like they're like describing like a, a love interest but it like they often devolve into like personal insecurity in a way that's like I honestly as a listener is like great it's like that's like especially like as a teen like that's what that's sometimes what you want out of a love song <laughs> yeah it's interesting to kind of go back to the one I love um, which really does play it as a purely sinister song. But the yeah. impulse is that, you know, he later explores in a more nuanced way, in a way that doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, because the one I love really just kind of like forecloses in the possibility that he gives a fuck about this person at all. Right. He's just, you know, a guy moving around. He's a, a young man on tour, you know. Yeah. But... It's you know, so like, dark. Like, like looking at that, but also kind of being like, okay, there's there's other things here. There are emotions. Okay, what? But what about the other? You know, what if I look at this from the other way around? Yeah, and it's also like somebody lashing out, right? Like it, it like if you think about it from the point of view of like the person saying it, it's like it, they're like it's like clearly angry and like maybe not like exactly what they mean. Um, but it's also like, it's a, it's like, I don't know if it's intended this way, but it's like a troll on listeners. Cause like th there are, I, I've certainly maybe less nowadays, but certainly at the time, like there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, that's our song. <laughs> like, oh that's yeah. It's, it's like you would play it at weddings and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, which one of you is the simple prop to occupy the other person's <laughs> time? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And like, do you know about the other prop that's occupied his time? You know, like, it's like such a, like, and you know, again, this is like, the, like, this is the theme that keeps coming back where it's like, it's like a platitude, the one I love. And then you scratch underneath the surface and it's like, um, it's like it's so much more and so much also the opposite of that. This one goes down to the one I love. This one goes out to the one I've left behind. A simple prop to occupy my time. This one goes out to one I love. Fire.
Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I love how that is like one of their biggest hits. That would be like one of the like five or six like biggest all time hits they have that like most people would know. Yeah. And oh, it really is like this like bitter, bitter pill that's next to like a song like Everybody Hurts, which is so open hearted yeah. and pure and like an expression of like pure kindness. Yeah. I've always wondered about everybody hurts. Get yourself a bandy for your boat. Yeah, no, totally. I like, did did they, like when everybody hurts, I think because I was so attuned to this aspect of REM that it's like everything is suffused with irony, but like not, not like to a point of not caring. Like it comes from a place of deep caring and like earnestness, but there's like always, there's always like to the point of them like muddying up be mine because it's like too nice. Like there's always this like insecurity that like that that lashes out on top of the like statement of of love or earnestness or 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 whatever. But like that's always been my even at the time was my question about everybody hurts. It's like do you do you mean like do you totally mean this or like oh I've, <laughs> I've never had that question. That song is just so completely pure. Yeah, I think you're probably it, right. It, like. And like, like that's, there's not, I mean, I'm not a big crier. Yeah. That's a song that can make me cry just because I think one of the things that really is a trigger for me is that like real pure kindness of of just that generosity and like, yeah, like that, that can really just overwhelm me. Like if I hear that song in the right moment, it's so incredibly powerful. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, it's like, it may be that, like, where Stipe as a lyricist has difficulty is, like, it's like writing a love song about another person. But, like, when you, like, broaden it out (laughs) to be like, hey, I'm going to be sympathetic towards myself, and in the process of doing that, I'm going to express this incredible empathy for everyone, like, that kind of love. Like, he can do it without the layer of irony. In the catalog. yeah. I mean, that actually kind of is a good segue into one of the songs that we, we have both uh, chosen. 
uh, you are the everything. Okay. Yeah. Which is a totally. song of just real, like pure empathy and kindness. It's a platonic love. Yeah. So th- that one, I like, I don't have that question about like, I, you know, I think you're right that, that, that I'm wrong to question everybody hurts. I do think that it's like genuinely intended, but you could see why like somebody used to REM's back catalog when that came out would be like, Oh, okay. Um, but you are the everything is, it is that. And it's like, it's very clearly earnest. You are the everything is a very important song to me because like I, um, I was saying it to my son when he was born, um, as like the song that I would sing to him, like, w- like he did not sleep, which is like its own nightmare. And we could do a different podcast about that one day, <laughs> but like, that's so like, I have these like, like, like very emotional, like in terms of an outpouring of love, but also in terms of like a, di- a very difficult time in my life. Uh, like I have that the connection with that song where it's like every night I would sing You Are the Everything, which is like a great song to sing acapella, by the way. It just like, it like, cause it's like all like that incredible melody. Um, and it, like sing that to him. And it's like, it that, that, it's that kind of a love song to me, I think, where it's just sort of like this expression of like, here's the big wide world and you're everything inside of it. And like, let's all kind of live inside that. Sometimes I feel like I can't even sing. I'm very scared for this world. I'm very scared for me. Sound of the travel and the engine. All you hear is time stand still in travel. You feel such peace and absolute stillness still that doesn't end but slowly drifts into sleep. The stars are the greatest thing you've ever seen, and they're there for you. For you. Yeah, sometimes I think that I can't even sing. I'm really scared for this world. I'm really scared for me. Yeah, and it's like... I remember I remember when I wrote about that song, uh, one of the things that hit me was it's one of the very, very few songs where Michael talks about the future in a way that is scary because he usually writes about the future as something that's open of possibilities and potential. Yeah. No, totally. And it's like, if you compare it to like, this is also like green is a pretty political era for REM. Like if you compare it to like, you know, like orange crush or something like just to pick the opposite song of that on the album, like, which is like, like, like angry and political and like, let's, we've got to fix this. It's like, it's the opposite emotion of that where it's like, I'm just like, I'm scared. (laughs) Orange crush is interesting because it's all the, all the, things given voice in that song are basically like victims one yeah. way or the other, whether they're victims of military aggression or the people who are kind of suckered into being part of that machine. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, green is an interesting album. I think it like it, it, it like totally holds together, but it's uh, unlike we were talking about accelerate, which is like kind of one note with a couple of exceptions, like green really ha- like that range, like from you are the everything to, 
something like Orange Crush is like is what makes uh, Green like just like f- pretty unstoppable. Um, Green really benefits from being kind of at an inflection point in their career where they're kind of about to make a transition towards uh, the losing, yeah. uh, sorry, uh, towards like, out of time. So there's some songs in that record that are kind of predict where out of time would yeah. go. But it's still like the the bulk of that record is still very much in the Life's Rich pageant. No, totally. I was- but but also like more bright. Like that's also the album where like they're going really into like the bubblegum yeah. stuff. Uh, like especially on stand yeah, and get and up, I guess pop song to some extent, but yes. like the, like I was thinking about green today where it's like, if you listen to document and then you listen to out of time, you'll be like, how do we get there from here? And the answer is green. Like, it's like really, it's like, Oh, it's like such a satisfying answer to that question. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I mentioned the bubblegum yeah. thing. I find that to be a really interesting thread through the middle of the catalog because it starts popping up on Life's Worth Pageant. I mean, the the most obvious thing is that there's the cover of Superman right. on that. Yeah. But, you know, Document starts like toying with it. And when, they're, when they were playing live shows, they would do a lot of covers of, you know, really cool songs, but they would bubblegum them up. Like uh, like the Velvet Underground's After Hours, like Strange by Wire, which is turned up on Document, um, Academy Fight Song by Mission of Burma. They, that was just kind of their shtick, or Fun Time by yeah. Iggy Pop, of, of taking these really cool songs and just fruiting them up, <laughs> you know, in, in a way that I think is really like daring yeah. you know it's 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 definitely like pushing uh michael's queerness to the front of it uh and it's also you know challenging uh what these songs could or should yeah. be yeah well and like shiny happy people is like the outcome of all of that <laughs> yes that, that that is the end point of the whole thing yeah so like you know the the where the bubble gum goes this, this intensifies and then can but go no like, further. Yeah. But no, it, it does go further because there you get like Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight and Automatic yeah. for the People. Yeah, no, totally. That's true. I mean, I think like Shiny Happy People is like, it's interesting because it's another, it's a song that has like a mythos about it. That's like kind of like, like the whole thing about like Bill Berry quitting the band. It's like, we hate this song. <laughs> like kind of, yeah. but like. Well, I mean, they're kind of divided yeah. on it. Cause I know uh, like Mike Mills likes that song and like they've, they've said really nice things about it. There was actually a thing that uh, Mike Mills was on uh, something that he put on his, on his uh, Instagram not long ago where he was talking about that song and like, ha- like how people respond to it and like, you know, he, he, he's very fond. Yeah. Of I mean, one. the thing about like shiny happy people is like, it's designed, like it's designed to be made fun of. Like I remember at the time, I mean, REM was the biggest band in the world, it's brave. but it's brave. It's totally brave to do a song like that. And there's also like no plausible reason to expect that song yeah. to be a hit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that hit song, uh, you know, it's, it's commercial, but not in the way that like, it's 1991. Yeah. I mean, it's a know? banger and it's Kate Pearson. <laughs> and it like, <laughs> that song was like the same year that smells like teen spirit. It's so was crazy. Hit. And, 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 and the video, the video for that song is like, I, I like, like, like imagine like, and it pro- I've probably seen a back to back. That's like enter Sandman. And then shiny happy people as a video on like an MTV. I mean, that's just how MTV was. Yeah, and it's like it's wild to think about. Um, but again, it's like I don't know. It's got to be suffused with irony. It's like, like how like you could do that song and have like 
a slightly less out there, like just like pushing it all the way, like chorus than shiny happy people holding hands. Like it's wild oh, yeah. what they chose to do with that. And like I agree. I think it's like it's kind of brave and awesome. But at the time it was like like if you were like a huge REM fan, like one one of the things you had to do was like find a way to either defend or distance yourself from shiny happy people. <laughs> Um, yeah. I can I, before we leave, you are the everything. Um, can I make yes. a couple other points about it? Because it really is. It's just like it's a really yeah, a top REM song for me for a lot of reasons. Um, point number one, uh, I think it's one of the two best songs ever about falling asleep in a car. <laughs> <laughs> With your teeth in your the mouth. The windows wrap less. around the sound of the travel in the engine. The other best song about falling asleep in the car is um, Bright Eyes, We Are Nowhere and It's Now. Like a 10-minute dream in the passenger seat uh, while the world is flying by. Like it, like you haven't been gone very long, but it feels like a lifetime. Is like such a, like it's just a, such an evocative like way of describing a very, very specific thing. Um, and I think the windows wrapping around to the sound of the travel in the engine is like, is that as well? I like that. I like that a lot about REM. Um, they do that so well. It's just like hone in on something like so specific, but like so relatable. Um and then the other thing is teeth in your mouth. I didn't realize until recently. I th someone like my wife's grandma apparently used to say it. Like that's a thing. Like oh, you're just standing there with your teeth in your mouth. Like that's a real saying. I always thought it was just like REM being like super out there. Like that's a weird thing to say because I was like at the time I was like your teeth in your mouth like as opposed to what like in in a jar next to the bed like is it about old age well, yeah because like, i think like this song is kind of like as much about an elderly person yeah as no totally child. but it's like but it adds this meaning to it where it's like it is an expression i like and so it's like it's doing this cool thing that rem really does really well of taking what i didn't know was an expression but like exploding it and like adding all these other meanings to it um the the other example of that that's famous for me is I like I didn't realize until I had owned the album for like five years that and like I think I read I, I think I learned it from reading about like how it came about that they were uh, I'm talking about out of time that they were like they were like okay the album release is coming up uh, we're out of time you need to come up with a title and they were like oh let's call it that but like I, I don't know if that's apocryphal or not but like for the first five years that I lived with that album, I didn't think of the obvious meaning of like, we're out of time. I thought of it as like, we like live outside the boundaries of time and space. Um, and it's like, yeah, yeah I think that's generally how I interpret Um But it's too. like, it's so, I don't know. It's like, it's, it, or, or this is something that has happened yeah, out of time. Um, the result. And I'm time. sure that's intended, but it's like, it's a, it's a pretty good trick that, that like recurs throughout the catalog of taking things that like have a either conventional or cliched or like very specific meaning and like putting them in a context where they like, they just kind of almost as like a first thing will suggest the metaphor. Let's uh, move to another, I think, Somewhat similar song in some ways, I believe, from Life's Fritz Pass. Yes, please. I love this song. When I was young and full of grace and spirited a rattlesnake. When I was young and fever fell, my spirit, I will not tell you all. 
explain to change the difference between what you want and what you need. There's a key or adventure for today. What do you do between horns of the Yeah. So that's a very idealistic and sweet song. I, I so I like, I read into, I believe, like this through line that I've been talking about, which like, I don't know, maybe this is my, like, just like my bias and I need to talk to a shrink about it. <laughs> but like, it's this like, I, this mix of irony and earnestness. Like the way I think, I mean, I really, really love this song. Um, but like, the way I think of it is like, you know, you have a, a guy who's like becoming a rock star and he's constantly being asked like, you know, to like pronounce on things and like be like, oh, now you're a role model or you're an expert or like, what does Michael Stipe think about this? And he's finally like, okay, I'll tell you what I believe in. <laughs> almost like a, like, yeah. a, like a press release. Here we, like, this, here we go. I believe Stipe in coyotes believe. and time is an abstract. <laughs> like... <laughs> this is it's Michael Stipe's personal brand. but it's like it, it like I it's 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 those two things at once it, which is like I don't know which I just love about so many songs that do this where it's like it's like you start a sentence with I believe something like a strong statement like I believe and then you get like the complete opposite of you know you expect that to be like I believe right. well, in like free speech and like freedom for all and like you know like I don't know a welfare state <laughs> and like I'm sure Michael Stipe does believe in all those things and in fact we know he does because he writes a lot of political songs but like when he's asked to t- say what he believes it's it's freaking coyotes <laughs> right or you know or there'll be like these really earnest lines in it but then he'll just be like I'm yeah my throat hurts. <laughs> totally yeah like pulling back to like the specific you know it's like i'm talking about like these weird abstract things and then it's like i believe like and like i believe my throat hurts is like it's both mundane but it's also poignant it's like i'm tired <laughs> you know and, like I'm singing, I'm, I'm like trying to sing <laughs> like i'm trying to tell you what i believe and like it it's like it's hurting me uh, but it's also like super mundane where it's like, I don't know, like after you've been talking about like, I believe in time as an abstract and then you say, I believe my throat hurts. It's also a banger. Um, uh, yeah. Just like it's a, it's a, I think that's like a perfect REM song. Yeah. And it kind of continues, as we were saying about Begin the Begin and Lightsworth's pageant, it has like that kind of mix of the directness and also the abstractness and also this like this kind of brightness to it where there is an optimism to it. You know, uh, it's on the same record as Cuyahoga that has, you know, starts with the line, let's put our heads together and start a new country up. Our father's 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 stride, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, REM does not really, or or I think especially Michael Stipe does not give in to pessimism easily. No, there's a lot of, I mean, that whole album is a lot of, um, is, is a lot of like, I mean, it has a lot of moods and it's mostly like kind of driving like optimism, (laughs) like against like a lot of odds. Um, And then it ends like, it's so weird to have that extra track being Superman. It's like such an odd note to end it on. Um, Just being like, yeah, it's, 
I, mean, I guess I guess the real ending is Swan Swanee. Yeah, I guess so. I like at Superman is like uh, you know like before the internet, it's like such a fun way to experience an album to be like, wow, like <laughs> you like hit this like 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 kind of amazing cover <laughs> um, that like doesn't totally fit on the album. Very yeah. obscure song um, too. And it's like I I don't maybe you know this, but like I like you know by the time I was like of age like life's rich pageant had been out for a while, but like I knew about Superman by repute, like as being a famous REM song, but I don't know if that was broadly. Oh true. yeah. Yeah. That's how most people know it. Cause it was such an obscure yeah. bubblegum song. Uh, and, and it's like such, it also Click. like, I think tonally doesn't totally fit. Yeah. I guess like to the, to the point of this bubblegum, it's like experimenting with bubblegum stuff. I mean, and it's also a Mike Mills, uh, yeah. focus song. He's the yeah, one. Yeah, totally. Lead. Um, what fun. And yeah, I believe it just like, it's also, it's like a great, I believe is a good, is a great song to have like near the end of that album. Um, where it's like this, it's like, all right, this is our like big statement piece. And it's also like kind of obscure what we're telling you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's do another oldie. Let's do little America. Okay. can't see myself at 30 yeah this is like this is like their their like road trip album (laughs) right i mean well i think that's that's the thing where like you know you 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 know it's like you do your first really big tour and then all of your songs are about being in cars or being away from people you love and like reckoning is really just a classic version of that but i think in in more interesting ways than most and it's about like like the songs about being away yeah. from people, I think come out more interestingly. Like South Central Rain and Letter Never Sent. Yeah, and and like a specific call out to Jefferson Holt. <laughs> like is it? Yes, which they would no. eventually uh, regret and yeah. change in live versions to Washington. Oh, really? I, I didn't know that. I mean, I I know the history of 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 Jefferson Holt, but like I like setting that aside. I do like that. I that's the thing that kind of stands out to me about Little America is this like. You know, it's like like we're 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 on the road, and it's like the it's the our like tired road trip, like like on the road band on the road song, um, but it's also like it's also like the camaraderie of being in a band, and like that very specific thing to like put in a song that's like, hey, we're talking to our manager about like who's like lost the map again or whatever, but like you have to kind of kind yeah. of have to. It's like very personal because it's like I don't know, you don't. If you're just like bought reckoning because you thought don't go back to Rockville was a banger. Like you're, you're not going to know who Jefferson Holt is. <laughs> yeah. I love Peter Buck's guitar part on that yeah. song. It's, it's really just a classic Peter kind of uh, melodic. Yeah. Part. And it's also like, it's kind of like country voice REM. 
that I really like. The biggest wagon is the empty wagon. And like, um, like yeah. I like that. I like it when they get country. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're really little. About it. Yeah. You could easily just play little America. Yeah, totally. Song. And it would take almost no effort. It's funny. I mean it. that like going back to my, th- my framework about like, like th- them always like, like fighting against does Bill Berry want to rock or not? Like there's also like that could just as easily have been like, do we want to be a country band? <laughs> like I, I don't even think it's country. I think it's, yeah, it's yeah. folk. There's so much folk in the way Peter plays. It is so burned it to him. And it definitely comes from being obsessed with birds yeah. in particular. Um, but it's there. I mean, there's lots of REM songs that are very, you know, if you listen to like the, the unplugged versions or um, I think the, probably the most, the biggest example of a song that is essentially a folk song, despite the way it's recorded is welcome to the occupation from document, which is just straight up a bird song that on the record. And when they play it live, normally it just has this big booming drums that completely change the gravity of the song. Yeah. And it's also, it's another one that's like got this like, like darkness and like obscurity to it, especially in like the title, like the, it's like, that's a pretty uncompromising title for a song. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, document really kind of has the cynical swing away from life's rich pageant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like you live a few more, you live another year in Reagan's world <laughs> and you end up in document. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's a, there's a dark, the, the, the song that I yeah, wanted to hit. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah. There's a there's a darkness so- to, to to document that, like that, like I don't know. It's not especially like if you pull out the hits, you wouldn't know it. Um, but but document is like they, they're like going into like an introspective dark phase as well. Like while kind of kind of being a, a like a pretty rocking album, and like Welcome to the Occupation is a pretty good example of like that juxtaposition. The song from Document I wanted to hit was Finest Work. Okay, so. yeah. I think it's a great example of like all four of them at their best. Really cool Peter uh, uh, Peter guitar part on it. That's 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 simple, but it's it's played in a weird style. And Mike Mills has that really great kind of yeah bass part. Um, and it just has this great uh, velocity to it. And it's also a song that's basically. Uh, I mean, it's a very lefty song. It is. It's definitely a pro union yeah. song. And. It's one of those things where, and it's also inspirational in the way that Begin the Begin is, but in a different way. You know, it's it's more, it is, it's funny because like they are, between those three albums, uh, those, th- for those three late 80s records, there's all these songs that are like uh, calls to action. You know, so Begin the Begin, that's the more obscure yeah. version. Minus Work Song opens with the time to rise has been engaged. It's the insurgency uh, again. You know, and then... <laughs> 
And then you get to green and it's get up and stand. And they're so direct. They're so like, like he just loses patience for having the the obscurity or the obfuscation. Yeah, And they've also lost that ominousness, which is like, like for a song, like who's, who's like, like really just like blow it out. Chorus is your finest hour. You know, that could be something from like, you know, like yeah. Dave Grohl would sing that. Um, but it's like, so, but it has this like incredible, like, um, like ominousness underneath it. It's like dark and brooding. And, and like, I don't know that that's like, that's lost by the time you get to get up. Um, like, yeah. Well, I mean, Finance Work Song also kind of has like this kind of like quasi industrial quality, not, not necessarily in the genre industrial, but it's definitely trying to sound like a factory. totally. Yeah. And that like, I think that like that pervades that whole album. I think Finance Work Song is in some ways is like kind of a centerpiece of the album for that reason. Um, like I like a lot of those. It's, it's yeah, a mission totally, for sure. totally. It really like sets. It's it's surprising how much finest work song sets the tone of what document is like as an album. Um, like j- just to the point of like if you if you just like were grazing in document and like listen to the hits, like you would not have a context for like like the feel of that album overall. And I think finest work song finest work song is a better. It's like a, it's a better song to listen to if you want to know like what the themes are like both tonally and in terms of like the lyrics and like you know like the the politics of that album are yeah i'm I'm a big fan of disturbance of the heron house as well and that's a couple songs later and that's the one that is kind of it's about a failed rebellion basically There's something really uh, sad about that one, uh, not just because it's about failure, but it's also just the just the phrase like "try to tell us something we don't know" is so. It's such a uh, something you, you say when you're really broken. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's like it's a version of "I'm very scared for this world." It's like we're it's like yeah, it's 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 like somewhere in between "I'm very scared for this world" and like one of their more like call to action songs. <laughs> Where it's like the like the the disaster yeah. has happened. Well, yeah, it, and it, like it's, we it's know. One, it. <laughs> yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the one where you you you've you've moved a few steps beyond action to like what happens if we fail. What happens if this doesn't work? Um, uh, Blong on Out of Time is written I did as not a know that. To that one. No, I didn't know that. Did, did you know that? That's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's right, right down to like the like the, in the lyrics, like the animals have broken the barricade. It's basically like someone hearing about a revolution that's happening. Yeah, it's got, I guess, like, now that I'm thinking about it, like, Disturbance at the Heron House opens with this, like, almost, like, news report. (laughs) Like. Yeah, they're going while the call came in early in the morning. Yeah, the followers of chaos. And then Belong is is similar, but it's, like, it's, like, it's Michael Stipe. It's, like, more direct. It's, like, talky Michael. Um, 
Well, it's also about a mother yeah. and a child. But he's like, he's like, there's this. Di- I mean, and uh, this this happens to with a lot of songs on Out of Time. There's this like like almost exhausted distance from the difficult topic in Belong, where he's just like, it's very like monotone the way that he's like kind of describing these events. I'm like, fascinated to learn that those two songs are like are are direct sequels for each other. I'm gonna have to like spend some time thinking about that. That's so interesting. <laughs> collapsed early Sunday morning. She got up from the kitchen table, folded the newspaper, and silenced the radio. Those creatures jumped the barricades and have headed for the sea. Sea. It's interesting because there's a few R.A.M. songs that have direct sequels. Like the Great Beyond is the yeah. sequel to the Man on the Moon. It was written to be. It was deliberately yeah. written to be such. God, there's another there's, really. He does. One this is not a big one at all. But Sing for the Submarine is. Uh, <laughs> well, well, that one's like all intertextuality. That's just referring to. And all I think these it's a, songs. That's, yeah, I mean, like yeah. so, it's like that song's back, like about. Yeah. Like I think as, as I mean as he moves through his career, he gets more fascinated with that intertextuality, and that's I mean that's a big part of the final album, Claps into Now. I mean the la- the last song on Claps into Now is Blue, which is deliberately calling back to both Ebo and Country oh, Feedback, and also features yeah. Uh, I mean Patty every Smith. I think every song on that album uh, like speaks to a different era of REM's career in a way that's like not kitschy. I like I. You know, I, I've already said that like accelerate. I had difficulty with as as like a massive REM fan, um, but I just think that like for a really late era REM, obviously end of REM collapse into now. Like that, like the like it was such the right thing to do because it had so clearly become an obsession of like kind of recategorizing their own catalog and like what their songs mean to themselves. And like I don't know to the same point I keep hitting where it's like, are we a rock band? Are we a college rock what are we um and then to just like do it with collapse in a now it like it totally works it like, collapse in a now is i mean the title yeah. says it and also every song is like hey this is like this is like a different phase of our career and we can still do it and like we still have a connection to it yeah i mean but it, i mean that record was written to be the last rm record they knew what it was they knew so doing that they were like okay well what what were we what have we been what have we not said yet? Like, how should we yeah. end this? And the whole record is about that kind of uh, introspection and re- retrospective thought and also finality and knowing that things should end and move on. And I mean, there's not a lot of records that do that, you know, that, that are about ending. I think in a different way, uh, David Bowie's album Black Star, which he wrote knowing that yeah. he was going to die soon, uh, is is similar in, in a lot of ways. Well, he's, but it's but it's it's not the same. But, but dying and yeah. breaking up are different things. Like it's REM like deciding like hey, we're we're gonna leave this behind. And you know, they're very stubborn <laughs> guys who are yeah. never going back. I, I, I feel no, they're quite not. certain that there will never be another REM show they're not i mean after a three yeah like those guys like the whole career is them never doing even one damn thing they didn't want. yeah no i mean and they're always like they're always like rebelling against their like their previous iteration um i think bowie is 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 an interesting comparison in this context because like he's also someone who writes sequels all the time and like yes i mean well i mean well there's a i remember reading um 
when, when Michael stopped talking about the great beyond, like he was inspired by ashes to ashes, which was written as the Major sequel Tom. to yeah. uh, space oddity. So that was like the direct inspiration of like, let's, let's, let's revisit this. Oh, an- another one of those songs is uh Houston on collapse. And now is the sequel. Accelerate. To, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, my heart is the sequel right. to Houston on accelerate. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Where it's like we're visiting the guy who is like escaping, uh, yeah, from the hurricane. It's, it's really cool. I mean, it's cool. It's like I I think that like the REM's obsession with themselves, and I, I say this in like the in the in the most laudatory way. It's like it's such a good through line, and it like really comes together so well on that album. I think you and I I can't remember, but I think you and I maybe disagree about this. But I think that Oberlin is the is like the masterpiece on collapse into now and that may be an unpopular opinion i like uberlin but the, the song for me on that one is definitely yeah. discoverer yeah. hey baby if this is not a challenge just means that i love you as much as i always said i did i was wrong i have been laughable wrong sand paper paper machine shop definitely calling yeah. back to the finest work song it has that similar kind of feel to it um but discover oh there's i love the velocity of that song i love just the because it, it really is kind of setting up the themes of the record of, of looking back on being young and also just being i mean the, the the gist of that song comes out of that one line where it's like with just the slightest bit of finesse i would have made just a little less mess but it was <laughs> yeah what it was let's get on that's with amazing it. yeah well and it's also like it's a it's like a pretty it's a pretty open-hearted song about uh, an ending <laughs> like to to yeah, yeah. But it's also, no, but it's exactly. about the beginning too. So it's like you know, it's about you know, like wanting to go out into the world and find things to find yourself. To yeah, to I mean, to fra- to frame a song on an album that's about like the end of your career, like from the point of view of like being a discoverer and like looking forward in that way is is pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it also gets to like a, a drama that kind of carries through a lot of the through you know Michael Stipe's arc as a human being and as an artist, whereas he was a painfully shy young man, and like a lot of like the REM catalog is like him moving through that and becoming this very confident man. And I mean, I, I think we should actually move to "Walk Unafraid," which I think is a song that yeah. is kind of about that, about learning to just let go of uh, these anxieties and to just be unapologetically oneself.
So I, one of the things, like the anecdote that comes to mind for me, I don't even know if it's an anecdote or if it's something that like I saw when I went to an REM show, but like I think during the Monster Tour, like it was maybe briefly famous that Michael Stipe had written talk onto his hand. <laughs> Um, which is like such a funny thing. Cause it's like, this is like the biggest rock star in the world. <laughs> and like, he's like, it like, I, I, like he's having to like remind himself to like, not be shy in front of the like massive sold out stadium. Um, but I think that walk on afraid is, is, is that, <laughs> um, in a way, but it's also like the other thing about walk on afraid, which I think is a, is a really great song and a underappreciated, like a wa- weirdly underappreciated song, um, is that like kind of like one I love and a lot of these songs that like have like like kind of play around with the opposite of what they're saying. Like at least the first, like "Walk on Afraid" sounds like something that you would say um, to like buck someone up like before they went on stage or like, Hey, you believe in yourself. And I do think that in a lot of ways, that is what the song is about, but it comes by it in this like slightly backwards way. Like the first, the first instance of the lyric walk unafraid is they claim to walk unafraid. I'll be clumsy instead. Yes. Um, and so it's like the chorus is like, you know, it's like, you know, stiff upper lip, everybody. But like the actual like introduction of that concept is not something that the 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 singer's doing. Like it's something they can't do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a big part of that song is kind of being it's yeah, an anti-conformity totally. song. Um, and so it's like, I mean, it it ha- it does have "Walk Unafraid" as being like it's something that it's saying to people to to buck them up, but it's also saying like don't listen to these people who are like telling you that they're confident and like that you should do it like them and like do it your weird way and be clumsy. Yeah. And it's like, cool. And that's unafraid, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like that, that is the, what, what he lands on that. I'll be clumsy instead. Hold my yeah. love me or leave me. Uh, high. Which I've always found to be as much as I love that song. I've always found that, um, hold my love me or leave me high to be a, a fairly awkward, especially like, how how prominently placed it is in <laughs> in this like rousing chorus? Yeah, I mean, well, he, he does that a lot. Like I mean, the, 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 and sometimes like it's it, it, I think a lo- most of them it's fine, but then you'll just have like a weird one. Like I think like Leaving New York has the um oh god, what is the line uh, in that song? Leaving New here. York never easy. Something was never my proud. Oh, my leaving proud. was never yeah, my proud. Very, it sticks in your head. And it's also like, did he write like a classic New New York Magazine article, like like ten years before everybody yeah. else wrote that same piece? Like, it's really hard to leave New York. Yeah, I, I know that song means a lot yeah. to him, and but yeah, I, like 
I, mean, I like it, but it's it's, it's pretty corny. Yeah. That one, it's it's definitely like their adult contemporary. I ballad. think that album is just I you know I like I it's just it, it's hey they they like they they went for it. They were trying to do something different. It's just like such a difficult album, and like I think maybe on a different album and like uh, like probably with a different arrangement leaving new york is a is a is a really great song <laughs> um but it's one of the things like i mentioned that uh that part lies part heart uh liner notes and peter buck was only one to say anything about that song and he was pointing out like uh that he's always surprised that song works at all because it has incredibly bizarre chords yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> um i can't was that a single off i was it i think it was the single that, that was, was the, the single. single that was that that was the that was that's like the only real hit it's a record. wild choice <laughs> um yeah i mean i don't know i mean i think it's like because i said like i said it's like it's a big adult contemporary yeah. ballad it's kind of like their air yeah no song. totally yeah that makes sense i mean Ario i think like REM's REM choices for f- lead off single, especially after they're like a mega band, are always interesting. I mean, I think like you like you've just penned well, Ebo, I think, kind of tanked <laughs> five. Yeah, no, totally. Because it's such an uncommercial thinking, song. Yeah. I mean, the choice of the singles on High Fire is so weird because it's like because Bittersweet Me was like kind of like, okay, let's have kind of a rock radio song, but it didn't really work. And that song they've never performed live ever, not yeah. even once. Um, but then they have songs like wake up bomb that they're like, nah, forget it. Um, which that song probably would have been done better on rock radio than bittersweet me did. And, you know, electrolyte is kind of saved for yeah. the end. And so it was like a little too late, but electrolyte is probably the song that is probably most widely. Beloved yeah. And that was like the their record. last, like a loose, really late, like the, the record had already kind of tanked by their standards when electrolyte came out and like that's an obvious <laughs> that's an obvious lead off single but like i they had also i mean they had had success i like drive a lot as a song but like it's a it's a weird choice okay, i want to get the drive so actually, let's, let's transition to drive because like that's what i wanted to get to hey hey kid shake a maybe you're crazy It is a somber, somber song about mortality and feeling out of touch with younger people. Yeah. And I think Michael is probably like 31 when he wrote yeah, it. I know. He's like 10 years um, younger than I am now. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Early 30s is when they yeah. made that record. Um, but it is, that song is really 
aged well with me, not simply for aging, yeah, <laughs> aging into the song, but there is something about the way the, the, there's kind of an odd gravity to that song because it, it's it has kind of a sparse uh, arrangement through a lot of it, but it also just kind of has this kind of like pendulum swing to it. Yeah, it's also I mean it's like it's a song whose title like does a lot of work like it's a very driving song like it's like it, it like really it, it has like a lot of motion to it. Um, and it's, I think it's also like thinking about belong. It's like that, like slightly detached and exhausted version, like character that Michael Stipe sometimes is, it's like all the right down to the, to the, the point of like addressing someone as, Hey kid. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, do you know, do you know what that comes from? Look, no. the, that song is kind of like based on uh, rock on by David Essex, which was a really big song from Michael when he was young. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, that kind of glam rock classic. So yeah. he's kind of like t- jumping off from that song into this other thing of, uh, I think kind of like t- extrapolating from that song. Like, what is that song really about? You know, Hey kids, rock and roll. Uh, but then like nobody tells you where to go. Uh, you know, this, then he, there's a lot of alienation in that song. It's yeah. just feeling distant from an audience. And then you kind of contrast that with the music video f- for it, where it's just a, a long shot of Michael just uh, crowd surfing yeah. for like four minutes. <laughs> yeah, the music Black video is awesome. But like, uh, again, like a, an, an odd, like an understated choice. And it's also like, I guess it's like, it's like a, it's kind of a parody of like a rock star the like yeah. music video. I mean, I, like, I think in context it makes sense because it, because they had that strong visual. It, it's a, it's a visual that's kind of in direct communication with other things that we had MTV at the time. So like that song would be in the same MTV like rock block as Even Flow by right. Pearl Jam. Yeah, which is the which, same video, right? I mean, it's right, like but, Eddie but, Vedder climbing up into the rafters and like yeah, and then jumping into the audience. Yeah. But but this is like the more like. Uh, it's there's. I think that the drive has that kind of like rec- record scratch. Like you might be wondering how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. No. And he's like he's like very disaffected, and the crowd is like, is that right about the video? It, like he's yeah, just, yeah. Like, I mean, but, very I mean, monotone. Kind of really where he's just kind of like this thing that's just kind of like floating on an audience, and I think there's a real metaphor to that that was probably very potent to him. Oh at my the time. god. Yeah. Well, I also think that like I like the line. Um, like, hey, kid, rock and roll, nobody tells you where to go, is it's like you could read it in two totally opposite ways. Like one is like kind of empowering where it's like, that's hey, kid, nobody tells you where to go. And the other is like exasperated and like disaffected yeah. and like, well, nobody tells you what to do, I guess. And like, I don't get it. I'm alienated from it. And like, um, and I don't know, I think those two readings like make the song work, especially since it's like, I don't know, it just, it's got such drive to it. I also like the kind of the ambiguity of that lo- the lines, like maybe I ride, maybe you walk, maybe I drive to get off. Yeah, there you go. And yeah, and it, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's the division between these two different sets of people but also like maybe i drive to get off kind of it, it, there's something very kind of like sinister yeah or seedy about that no it's there's definitely like a, a sexual innuendo there that's like yeah. really out of place in the song but like yeah it adds this sit like sinister and you know and they've like i don't know like talking about like finest work song and we haven't talked about like feeling gravity's pull but like these songs that like 
kind of set a, a like a off tone for an album that isn't necessarily like that. Um, I love feeling gravity's pull. That's that's one of my favorite album openers. I think like and, it, I was thinking, yeah. At, the, 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 there's like, I think like all three of those songs like they're, they're like the more cinematic openers. Yeah, totally. And, like I, I think you can think of Drive almost as kind of like almost like, like the, some movies kind of open in more of a cold open way, and yeah. Drive is like that. But feeling gravity's pull has that kind of like dark drama to it. It's such a heavy and uh, atmospheric song, but also um, one that's really. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's a song that is del- both referencing and heavily inspired by surrealism. Yeah, it's a man ray kind of sky. Let me show you what I can do with it. <laughs> the whole song is about uh, like being alive in a dream. It's kind of like a lucid dreaming kind of thing. And, you know, one of the things that always amazes me about R.E.M. is that they had the wisdom to call themselves R.E.M. as if they could somehow anticipate that Michael Stipe would be writing about dreams constantly yeah. <laughs> on every record. Yeah. It, it, he never, it never goes away. He is constantly talking about dreams. It's yeah. always in different ways. Well, it's, they complicate his life. <laughs> yeah. You know, or, or, or they complement his life. Exactly. In that song, just that contrast would go either way. But yeah, yeah, it is through the whole thing. It is through every single record they ever made. Um, And it's, it's like, you know, it's real truth and advertising. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, tell me another band that gave themselves a name that they (laughs) wrote every song, every record they made. Like, look, I mean, their biggest hit ever is very clearly is all about dreams, like uh, losing my religion. You know, it's just always there. It is, uh, it is such a driving force for their creativity. But it's, it's also very REM to be like, we're called REM and it can mean anything you want it to, but also it means dreaming. (laughs) Like like, quite obviously. (laughs) Um, but yeah, thinking about feeling gravity's pull and drive, like they're both like, they're both, like album openers that like that have like a visceral effect like drive but both in the title and in like the way that they're structured as songs like feeling gravity's pull like you it feels like that listening to it it's like pulling you down um and drive is like kind of pushing you along against your will (laughs) in this like weary way and it's like to have these songs like open albums like as different as they are, but that like have this like sense of motion um, and maybe sense of motion that's like against your will to some extent. Um, and especially like, like Fables of Reconstruction is 
is interesting because it's like the the tone of it is so permeated by feeling gravity's pull even though like the next three songs on that album are like i don't know like bops <laughs> right know? well i mean that's a record where the i think the thesis statement is more on maps and legends the second song right because that's that's where the theme really begins of like writing about we, weird outsiders yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And I guess they they do it again with like Airport Man as like a as a as a pretty interesting like yeah, that one has like kind of a really shell shocked feeling to it for Up, which is like not like that. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk a bit about life, life and how to live it, which is one of my all time favorites, and that's uh, a really good example of like the outsider song on Fables. That, do you know the story of that song? Uh, I don't think so. Tell me. So that is about a guy in Athens who uh, <laughs> he had a place, he had his house, and it was kind of built to be two separate sides where he lived completely different lives on both sides. And he would live on one side for a while and then decide, okay, now I, I must change. I must have a completely different lifestyle on the other side of my house. Okay. And he wrote a book called, oh, it wasn't called Life and How to Live. It was like Life, How to Live or something yeah. like that. It was a slightly different title, but um, like it, it was printed out Like, and he died. You know, he died and they found his house and they found a closet full of all these like, you know, these books that he had like, you know, published in like vanity publishing kind of way. And, you know, like Michael was just fascinated by this guy yeah. and Oh my god! I actually found that book on eBay recently, and it has like the most amazing, uh, like there's like some photos of the inside, like the 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 um, 
the table of contents. Um, yeah, but the, yeah, there's there's incredible velocity to that song, and it's it really is like one of their greatest live songs. Oh, yeah. I, I always one of my favorite things about that song is uh, Mike Mills has like that kind of climbing bass part that then this kind of drops off. It really just has that like powerful physical effect. Yeah, I mean, and well, and it's got it's like it really does the jangliness really well. <laughs> um, um, it's, it's it really is kind of like the uh, the ultimate of a of a certain part, a certain style of songwriting that they. Have. Yeah, no, totally. It, it, it is kind of like the, the it, like all of the early era was kind of leading up to that song. It's quintessentially REM, um, and it's also like I mean, it, it, to the point I didn't realize that about the anecdote, but it's like I mean, gardening at night I think is that too. It's like about some like eccentric dude, who like <laughs> who like Michael Stipe saw outside do, gardening at like two in the morning. Um, and it's like, it has a similar, like a similar vibe. Like the, the idea that, that, you know, what life is and how to live it is on, on its face, pretty absurd. But then if you go into it and it's like, and how to live it is like, you have to divide your house up in this weird way. And like, like, I like the fascination with like, and then like presenting it as like, here it is. Here's my self-help book. Like, <laughs> right. Well, the whole, look, he had like chapters about like, you know, society, yeah. you know, it's like, he just had like these very huge ideas about uh, what life should be. But this is a guy who's a hermit who has no, who, who just was not connecting with the outside world, yeah. but he, but he had ideas about how to organize the well, world. Well, and that like the, the, um, the, um, the characters on fables are like, are pretty prominent. It's like really a, like a set of weird characters album. Um, but, uh, I think like, I, like I, I have this fondness for Wendell G that I think I'm maybe the only person in the world. <laughs> that one's always, always a little too corny for me, but I, I know there's other people who love it a lot. I was, I was reading something, um, that was like Vic Chestnut's. Oh really? Aria. Oh, well I'm in good company yeah. then. I honestly thought that I was the only person in the world who liked that song. Um, but I, like, I think it's just like melodically really beautiful. Um, but it's also like, it's about this, like. It's about this weird guy. I think it's based on a real person, um, um, though obviously like not what happens to him. It's like it's the it, again. It's like a dream song. Like I like you. You could be like committed if you try to describe what Wendell G is about to someone. Like oh, it's about this guy who like finds a hole in a tree and like climbs into it and like fills it up with chicken wire and like. <laughs> Um, it's like a very, very odd song, but like the, the, like lyrically it's really weird, but I just think that it has this like, like really, really beautiful melody, especially on fables, which like is, is a, in a very good way is a difficult album. Um, like, especially like, like setting the tone with, with, um, like the opener and like, and then just like having something that opens up a little bit with this, like, I don't know, a beautiful song. Um, I like the, the, my other beautiful, um, REM song that I love is shaking through that I think is like another one that like is not a favorite. Oh yeah. We haven't done any murmur. So what? let's, let's, let's move to murmur a little. Um, I, yeah, just as a segue, like we don't have to talk about shaking through for too long. Cause it's like, I don't think. I just I don't think a lot of people truly love that song, um, but it, the 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 comparison to me is I just find it like achingly beautiful in its melody.
Like it's a yeah. pretty simple song, but it's just like a really, really beautiful melody. Um, it's a fun song to just like belt out to in the car if no one's around. <laughs> it has a real, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's something very sweet about that one. Yeah. It's, I, it's probably the only uh, pop song to have the word opportune in it. <laughs> I mean, it has that incredible opening line. Could it be that one small voice doesn't count in the room? Yeah. There you go. And, like that murmur is pretty famous for being kind of incoherent. Yeah. That one line is sort of like the that's kind of like the the, the core of that record. Yeah. It's, it really is an album about small voices and and feeling insecure and to you know reckoning with this kind of social anxiety that is hard to even kind of wrap one's head around. Yeah. As a, as a, and he's a young man. I think he was like 21 when he when Michael Stipe wrote that. Yeah, I mean, um, I, this could be apocryphal. You will probably know, but like, I definitely read in like an REM book in my teens um, that like Murmur. There was a, like a lot of the recording of that was like he would like have to go like stand against the wall to sing, and like that's like part of where all the like mumbliness comes from. So like that line, it, whether that's true or not, is like is pretty resonant. You know, like he's literally like one small voice, like trying to trying to make it work through his shyness to be like a front man. The the song that I had kind of set aside to talk to talk about for Murmur was sitting still. Okay, yeah, that 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 is a very very good song. I've become really fascinated with sitting still in the recent past. Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, that one just has a really incredible energy to it. Yeah. But it's also like the one where it has the most like fractured and nonsensical lyrics um, where it really is like this phonetic, uh, uh, phonetic uh, word salad. Yeah. uh, Very deliberately. It's, it's in a way that kind of throws you off. Like, I mean, the chorus is up to par in Katie Bar, the kitchen signs, but not me in. <laughs> and you, know, you can pull that apart to know what, like, you know, what Katie Bar the door means. Yeah. You know, that, that's a phrase yeah. uh, that kind of goes back to what you were saying before with him just using like these weird colloquialisms and kind of chopping them into different what, forms. Right. Totally. But, you know, and the, but that's but that's a whole other song where, you know, a lot, like I was saying, a lot of that record is in some way about communication and not being able to communicate yeah and so you know in the in the verses of that song it's like uh i'm the sun and you can read i'm the sign and you're not deaf we could bind it in the sith we could gather throw a fit yeah we could gather throw a fit is like it's one of those lyrics that like before they printed their lyrics you would just like have to keep rewinding and be like, is that what he's saying? Like I mean, for a long, I mean, a lot for a long time, I thought there was like, we could gather through our fear. We could gather through our fear. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't know whether like he does that like d- deliberately to be like, it could be anything or whether he's just like genuinely like I, I need to obscure my voice. So you can't. I mean, totally I, I think he was also saying. just interested in abstraction and that yeah. phase of, 
of, of things. Yeah. You know, I think it's also like, you know, I think um, wh- when people just start, they will lean on these things that are sort of forgiving, you know, these like methods of, of playing music or singing or whatever that are very forgiving. So I think a different form would be like bands who like when they, you know, the singer are like, oh, let's just bury my voice a bit or put a lot of like uh, reverb on it, you know, because it's forgiving. Right. Right. You know, it doesn't really. Yeah, it's it's a it's airbrushing you a bit. Yeah. Well, it's also yeah. like making it so you don't ha- you can kind of avoid the fear of like really putting yourself out there. I think in some ways, Michael was doing that. He was he was defending himself a little. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that the trajectory of R.E.M. is like is very much just like uh, like opening up more and more of his voice. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's just like obscuring it less and less and like having it be like stronger and stronger and just be like, cause I mean the man has an incredible voice, um, but it's like a very distinctive one. Yeah. Very, very distinctive. And like, but I, you know, some of, some of like Ariam's best songs are when they're kind of hiding that light under a bushel. Um, like it makes, it's interesting. Like you can hear it underneath a lot of like, you know, like trying to hide it. Um, uh, Murmur is like the, you know, like the name of the album says it all. <laughs> um, I, another thing about Murmur that is that is really interesting is that, you know, while Michael's voice is kind of buried or willfully obscure, the guitar parts and the, all the other parts in the songs are really almost like absurdly clear in the mix. Yeah, totally. Where like we're like pretty straightforward guitar parts will sound a little uh, surreal because they're so clear. It's like, it's so guitar that it's something else. Yeah. I mean, sitting still is a good example of that. Uh, yeah. And, and like Peter having that really crystalline style at that time. And, you know, uh, and also like the fact that he leaned so heavily on those kind of arpeggiated chords, like really gave uh, Bill and Mike a lot of room to move in those songs to do interesting bass parts for them to do interesting harmonies. Yeah, totally. Um, that's that's also the album that has the line "Take Oasis, more Ox Baby." <laughs> Just I mean, like the, for a band that's obscure, like that's got to take the cake. Like so, like the the opposite of the murmur sound, <laughs> like jumping way ahead in her career. There, there's one song I wanted to hit, but then uh, like so fast, so numb, which is like him, especially Peter playing completely the opposite style, where it is this very uh, aggressive strum.
are you a so fast so numb fan? I like I li- I like it. I I mean I like I just deeply love New Adventures as an album. Um, and I think it's like, just like it just didn't get its due partially through their own choice and partially just because the world was changing in this way around the time yeah. it came out. Um, I like the the centerpiece songs for me on New Adventures are not the like the necessarily like the big rockers like so fast so numb. Um, though I I love it for like how it fits in the album um, because it is it's just like a like rockin' song. Um, it, it, it's got, it's a, it's kind of like the catharsis at the end of that record. I think that you know it, it's funny because I feel like it kind of um, it kind of connects the leave a bit, but leave doesn't necessarily have the same kind of catharsis that one does. Yeah, it it, it or it does in a different way. Uh, I but there it, it, you can kind of sense that he's dealing with a, a similar uh, romantic struggle. But so fast, so numb is really kind of like a climax. It is the ending. It is him. There's there's a, there's an anger in that song. Uh, that I don't think always comes out in in Michael or even or like there's a kind of a harshness the so fast so numb that is not necessarily an REM vibe yeah totally I mean there's a lot of like shark stuff in there too <laughs> yes <laughs> um, yeah it, it's it's very rhythmic but in this kind of like staccato way it op- I mean it opens with that uh that drum part yeah, I mean, New Adventures. I just like I I, w- I want someone to like really revisit it because it's like such an interesting and dense and rich album, and like a lot. I of mean, it, that's the next one that's going to be reissued. I can't wait. So we're, we're in for it. Yeah, it, it's time. Like I I need that. I need that revisiting because it's like I, I don't know. I my like I, I this year is is twenty five years. Oh, is it really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy to me. Um, or, or was it last year? Or I think they, it might be slightly off the the ball, but yeah, it's, it's nineteen ninety six. Ninety six, yeah, crazy. Um, I I think that like, I where do you stand on leave? If I can ask you, because it's like it's a kind of a I, polarizing I like leave song. A lot, but I don't listen to leave as much as I probably normally would have otherwise because the intro is so long and I'm biased against yeah. long intros. Well, it's a seven minute song, but it's like, this is like I, kind of to the point of what we were talking about, like th- this thing that sticks in my head of them being like, we could, if we recorded be mine differently, it would have been a hit. Like leave is like to me, an extreme example of that because like inside leave is, uh, I think like a, top 10 smash hit song yeah i mean that but, chorus is such a big swooping chorus and it's it's kind of like a u2-ish kind yeah, of chorus it's really powerful i really i like i love it for those reasons but it's also like they were like let's put a car alarm through the whole song <laughs> yes it has that really <laughs> bizarre siren sound i mean it, i think it's it like works. Arc synthesizer it works and it makes leave like a great song and it's also like well, i mean it gives that song that feeling of like uh like anxious, like adrenaline. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. You there's know, an anxious. You know, and, and that kind of like connecting to the song right before it, like uh, Ebo the Letter, where it's like adrenaline uh, pulls us near. You know.
Uh, one of the things I really love about New Ventures and Hi-Fi is that it really, it's, it's a record that was made on the road. It's about traveling. It's about the travelogue kind of record. But the, the sequencing kind of bears that out too, where you have like this sense of movement and stillness and being stuck and, you know, you know, I think like zither is kind of like kind of a throwaway song, but really kind of captures the feeling of just like, you know, being dazed and passing through a hotel lobby or something. Yeah. Or well, like that, looking at a gift, like looking at a, a gift store, like idly, you know? Yeah. The photo on like the album cover is like a photo Michael Stipe took like out of a train window or something like that. Like it has that sort of like blurry sense of like placelessness. Yeah. Like on, it's it's, on it's a, kind of a desert, you know, and then there's low deserts on that record. And that's right. like, you know, that, that one is interesting. I, I, I can't remember whether I was reading it or saw him talking about this recently, but I, th- I think it was actually him. Ta- he was talking about it in this interview that he did with Rob Sheffield that was on for Rolling Stone, but it's on YouTube, which I really recommend. Um, but yeah, that song just being about like this guy getting in a car accident and just like the elements claim him, you know, <laughs> it's pretty dark. Yeah, it's a, it's a very yeah. grim song. <laughs> um, that's fu- I mean, I like that's, you know, like talking about the the um, like the singles off of that album. Like I my I, I imagine this is true for you, too. Like my first experience of that album was them like coming onto the MTV video music awards and like everybody expecting them to play, like everybody hurts and they just like launching into wake up bomb. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, it would have logically been a song from monster. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. What's the frequency Kenneth or whatever, but like, yeah. And then it's like wake up bomb and it's like, I don't know. He's wearing those glasses and like it's, it, and that song starts with such a bang too. Um, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, that, like, that song, I think he's definitely, I feel like he's probably talking about Oasis, you know? He's, yeah. I, think, I think he's responding to Oasis. He looked good in glasses. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Right, right. It's, like, yeah. it's the attitude of of that Liam Gallagher is putting forth, and him kind of like tracing it back in time a bit, and then yeah. also kind of like, okay, what what is it like to be that guy? To yeah. be the guy doing the poses, the guy who's like trying to come off is like nothing matters to me. I'm just here for the moment. I'm here for the yeah. thrill. And it's so not Michael Stipe. And like that yeah. MTV Video Music Awards performance too. It's like he's, I think he's wearing like crazy like Oakleys or whatever. And like yeah. he's like glamming it up. And it's like so clearly like, I don't know, it's his like Ziggy Stardust. Um, but right. And like, and, yeah. w- and what is the wake up bomb? You're, you're yeah. huking after a party. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, and that's like that, thinking about that, the sequencing of that song on the album too. Like that's an album that like, like the juxtapositions from like, like, severe and introspective to like like glammy frenetic is how the west how the west was won yeah and that's the song that's like a really them taking stock of coming off that tour of bill nearly dying of you know you know the story of my life in trying times is kind of a huge understatement you know yeah and then what's the next song it's like okay this is this is (laughs) Like I'm Liam Gallagher now. Like record scratch. How did I get here? Then you're back into the wake up bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And then like new Tesla leopard, right? Which is like another like very interesting. There's like weird. There's there's diptychs in the record. There's like new Tesla leopard undertow kind of uh, comment on each other. They're both the religion songs. Yeah. And then uh, 
Ebo leave and departure are all different versions of, of going away from things. And Be Mine and Binky the Doormat are both like different versions of being like dumb in love with someone. Right. Yeah. And then it's got like it ends. I mean, just the journey of that album, like it, like into the like washed out like Hollywood of of Electrolyte. I mean, um, oh, a, a funny then, thing about Electrolyte um, that I didn't know until pretty recently, I think partly from that interview that Rob Sheffield did with Michael Stipe, was they talked a little bit about Electrolyte. But uh, Michael Stipe was living in Hollywood in the mid-90s. I, I did not know that. Huh. Um, and so Electrolyte being the last song is in also a way like, okay, I'm home now. If I ever want to fly That's interesting. That's interesting. Like the, yeah, my home for the time being. Yeah, it's it's a sweet song. It's not like it's not negative. <laughs> yeah, about, like, I mean, I mean that song is so beautiful to me, and yeah. you know, it is such an LA song, and yeah, like the, I, I've been to LA and been like, okay, I have to go to Mulholland Drive. I must electrolyte. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I must have the electrolyte experience of looking down on on Hollywood from Mulholland Drive. Yeah, I mean, it's funny for like someone who writes so like uh, like incisively and often angrily about celebrity, and like Wake Up Bomb is an example of that. Like having this like sweet song about Hollywood is like right, a, is a and like you know, real he, opposite. He, he, yeah, right, and singing about like Martin Sheen, Jimmy Dean, and like really appreciating these actors and 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 like the like the most idealistic vision of Hollywood. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I guess like Man on the Moon has some of that too. Um, yeah. Well, let's do monster, but I was going to leave that to be dealer dealer's choice for you. Well, I, I guess I'm the dealer, but so yeah, you're it's the dealer. dealer choice. <laughs> <laughs> like, what monster song do I want to yeah, talk let's, about? Yeah, pick a monster song. Okay, um, that's a tough one. Um, like, oh, there's so much. It's like such a it's such a complicated and yeah. I mean, because I've just done album. so much monster, and like I'm just I, I just freeze up. Like that, that's that's that what that record is so huge to me. Yeah. In so many different ways. Um, oh, it's such, it's like, I like, I have a real fondness for the back half of the album. Yeah. When um, it gets a little darker, it gets a little darker, like after strange currencies, like going into like bang and blame and then let me in, which I think is like, I like, I, we talked about this a little bit before, like when you were like, Hey, what songs do you want to talk about? And I like accidentally only sent you these like sad, <laughs> slow, yeah, like, yeah. no rockers. No, rockers. <laughs> no, I forgot to include rockers, even though I like, you know, life and how to live it. Like I love songs like that. And like, I'm, you know, um, like begin the begin. Like I, I like songs that, that like 
kick ass uh, in the REM catalog. But like, I think I'm drawn to these songs, like underappreciated gems, like let me in. Um, like, I just think let me in is just a really, really beautiful song. Um, and I think you is a really good and underrated song on that album as well. one that's another like kind of obsessive love song i mean all the songs on monster are in some ways about being obsessed yeah like that is like the main thing in that record but you there's a real i think there's a sweetness to that one and it's i don't i don't think it's as as, as complicated as the others it's just more like at the end when he's singing you over and over again it sounds like he's almost like destroying himself to be the other person yeah but there's lines in that song that I think are some of my favorite lyrics he's ever written. Like, uh, all my childhood toys with chew marks in your smile. <laughs> That's pretty powerful. That yeah. is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like when he's talking about in the second verse where it's like, um, I could see you there with uh, lunar moths and watermelon gum. You know, he's he's kind of setting up this really evocative image of them being like on some kind of camping trip yeah. out west. Um, I see you there in the Arizona sun. Yeah. And it's so, it's so at odds with like all the other songs that are about a love interest on that record. Um, I think like, which are so like sneering, I think is probably like the best word to describe a lot of them. Um, yeah. Like monster monster is a record that I think gives more and more, the more, the more you, you, you give to it. And I think it's also a record that is like somewhat misunderstood. Yeah. Because I think the the knee jerk response at the time was, oh, they're just trying to be grunge now. Right. But no, it was re- it is really more of a glam thing, and it's also the bubblegum version of glam. Yeah. It's like totally. that's where the bubblegum kind of comes back to being like this, <laughs> you know, taking this thing like like I think the grunge being a particularly ungoofy and unfun right vibe. And I really like a lot of the grunge stuff. You know, it's, it's very formative for me, but it's the, you know, that kind of silliness, that campiness, yeah. that queerness is just not in the music and they put it there. Yeah. I mean like tongue is the least grunge song you could ever imagine. Right. Like. I mean, and that, that one is, very, that's yeah, that one's the, the song that's really so empathetic yeah. to the plight of women who are, being used and then rejected. Come on, here I come. Don't to 
Yeah, it's the it's. I don't know if there's a third one, but along with me and Honey, it's a it's a song in the REM catalog that's like the it's from the point of view of a woman. Uh, yeah, though not and like me, you have to dig to figure it out. I, I, th- I th- there's others. I think, uh, but me and me and Honey is an interesting one too because that one's also about abortion. Is it? Yeah, I like I. It's about. Yeah. I didn't realize it for a while that it was about what it's like to be pregnant. Like that's what the metaphor is, but like you wouldn't yeah. really know it unless you spent a lot of time kind of digging into it. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, I I love tongue. Tongue is a really great one, and always feels. I, I, there's always kind of a there's also a, a very flirty quality to a lot of monster songs. Like tongue has it. Crush with eyeliner definitely has it. It's kind of like this kind of a. Yeah, and it, like obsession. Damn. Yeah, so, I mean, look, yeah, because like tongue also kind of has those kind of like roller rink kind of keyboard sounds to it. Yeah, um, and that I mean, like Monster is an album that, that like has like a, a through line of sound that like adds to those themes of like obsession and like the clamminess. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is that like tremolo or whatever it is that's like. Yeah, I mean the the, the way I, I, I when I was doing like the the REM like blog thing, something that I hit on there that's really stuck with me ever since is that a lot of the way that the tremolo sounds in that record, it's kind of like, like the, you know, a cartoon of someone getting hit in the head with a frying pan, <laughs> having the waves coming off their head of, of like disoriented pain. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and like, that's absolutely, it's also kind of, or like, like heat waves coming off of like concrete. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, I like the, the car alarm in, in leave is like a sequel to it in some ways, but it's like a much more anxious and like, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of a different of like uh, effect, but it has, it's, it's a similar thing of just like using that kind of, kind of irritating sound yeah. for a, a deliberate effect. Um, yeah. It, uh, Monster is, 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 is awesome. I think, I think it's the case that Monster was a much bigger deal in the UK. <laughs> Like I, th- I think it's still seen as like a great REM yeah. album. In I mean, the well, UK I mean, Monster like, sold really well, but it's also it was also notorious for being a record that people would put on used bins or like they would they would sell the record after you know because I mean it, the record is also a bait and switch. Yeah, you know, oh, for totally. people who had, who really fell in love with Out of Time and Automatic for people, and then this other record comes that is like you know you buy it because you love that record, but then you're like oh this is not this is not the REM I like. Yeah, no Monster. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, and what's the frequency? Kenneth is a huge hit. It's definitely one of like the the big ones for them. So you know, it's not like a hitless record. But it's like such like, a weird. I mean, Hi-Fi, Hi-Fi does not really have a hit on it. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Though I think Electrolyte kind of gained steam towards the end of it. Yeah, o- over time, Electrolyte became like the the big one on that one, and I think partly because it became such a staple of their live show as well. Yeah, but so Monster for me marks like in like my career as an REM fan, it marks this like subtle shift from being like like defending like how much I like this band that is like everybody likes to like being a defender of REM like that like for, and from then on like my like I love I love like post automatic for the people REM albums way past most people most casual fans like I love reveal you know like I love up I love uh, hi-fi I love monster but like that that run of albums is like at like at the time 
like you had this subtle shift where you had to be like, no, 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 it's really good. Like it's, it's terribly misunderstood. <laughs> um, and like, I don't let, know. Let, let's do, let's, let's do some reveal. Cause that's the one yeah. album that we have not touched. Interesting. Interesting that like just in meandering around reveal is the one that we've, we haven't. We haven't so I, I mentioned uh, that interview that Michael Stipe did with uh, Rob Sheffield. That's that you can get on, on YouTube. It was on Rolling Stone, but Michael said that uh, his current favorite record is reveal. That's so interesting. I think that Reveal is like, of the catalog, it's the album where he feels like most comfortable. Like Yes. Uh, I, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. I think what I think what Michael Stipe probably hears in himself on that record is a person who is, well, I mean, by that point, entirely out of the closet. Yeah. And uh, doesn't really feel the pressure to make hits, but, you know, uh, and like they have total artistic freedom, like a lot of uh, things are behind them. Yeah, and it's just a it's a very adult album, and it's got like it's, beach it's vibes. By being an adult, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I, beach vibes and REM are not things that I would have ever thought go together, but it really has this like kind of tropical like fun. It's like it's most of the songs are are like I don't know like washed out and like and dreamy in a in a uplifting way. Yeah. Well, he, he said that going into it, he like, he's like all the songs are going to be in some way about the summer. There you right? go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, yeah. It's REM's vacation. Yeah. It's a vacation know? album. <laughs> I love reveal. I think it's a fantastic album. It like, I, it, it's interesting that we like excluded it because it, I, it may be, well, maybe the reason is it doesn't it. I mean, fit. It's just, it's just the one we got to yeah, last. Yeah. But it like, doesn't, I, I, it doesn't fit like the narratives that like I apply to all like to REM's trajectory, which is like the, them like fighting against themselves, right? Which like this is the album where like they've found themselves. Um, yeah, and they're just like they're kind of this like okay, let's just chill out. Yeah. It's, it's the yeah, it's like vacation, <laughs> chill out. Yeah, it's like being comfortable in your skin. Yeah, um, um, like my my favorites on that record or are, are um, I mean, "Imitation of Life" is just kind of a classic REM yeah. song. It's it's kind of an, almost like the, an old school REM song that happens to be on this record, even though it does have that summery feeling to it. But I've, I always like I've been high a lot. I've been high is really just a really mature adult contemporary sort of ballad. It's kind of like his Phil Collins song or their Phil Collins song, I should say. I don't know, don't answer. I just needed to Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, Reveal, like a lot of the tracks on Reveal are like maybe what Around the Sun was reaching for and couldn't quite get. 
Um, but yeah, I've been a high, I like you, I, you and I have talked about this. Like I really love the song. I'll take the rain. And I know that you're yeah, not, a that's fan. the one I had put down on this because <laughs> that one, I mean, I think like I kind of have like this, like I get this bias against the more adult contemporary songs, I guess. Yeah. But I think I, I've been high strikes me as a little deeper than I, I'll take the rain. Yeah. I mean, I'll take the rain. I, I think I've, I've I've come to appreciate it a little bit more, or like not be as like hung up on it or anything. I but I think for me it, that one. That's, I mean, that one and Leaving New York both have that kind of like unapologetic cheesy. It's pretty obvious. It. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like or or the sentimentality to it that uh, it really is that kind of like um like power ballad. Yeah, uh, Ario Speedwagon Air Supply kind of song. Um, and I think that my reaction, my negative reaction to those songs comes from that bias against just what I said, like the air supply kind of vibe. But it's also, you know, I think relaxing that over time and, you know, like, you know, approaching these songs from being a bit older, about being around the same age as them when they made it. Um, Right. I, I think I, I, I feel a little bit more charitable towards them, even if I, I don't think I'll ever like really love those songs. Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing for me that is just like in my capacity as defender of R.E.M. that I was talking about, I was always looking for like, what's the song that's like, if you're going to play one song for someone and like, that should be a hit. I think Walk Unafraid is that. Like, I don't, I've never totally understood why Walk Unafraid wasn't a bigger hit. And I th- I don't either. And like that, like that was like their favorite song on the record. Like they were never shy about saying that. It's the one they kept yeah. playing the longest. Um, I understand why Day Sleeper is the first single. I yeah, why it's like classic R.E.M. Like, yeah, it really should have been pushed. I mean, I think another thing is like Walk Unafraid sounds better live. Like the, 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 the I think the definitive versions of that song are all like the live versions. There's that, you know, it's on the my favorite version is the one that's on the the live album that came out in 2005 right yeah um and there's like there's a first aid kit cover of it that's been going around recently so it's like got (laughs) it's got the juice (laughs) yeah i feel like yeah i would like to see more people cover like less obvious rem songs just to kind of like give them new life i think there's a lot of songs i mean i feel like it's not just about rem i feel that more people should do interesting covers and not just in kind of like uh, corny ways of like, Oh, like we were asked to do it by the BBC. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I feel like people should make, give songs new life. And, you know, I mean, I think REM, we were saying before, like when REM did covers, especially in the eighties, they really changed them and put their own imprint on it and put their own sort of commentary on them. Yeah. I mean, uh, that pylon song, have, crazy yeah oh, I, think, I think i think crazy is a little bit more of a direct cover like yeah they're just playing the song or like see no evil uh the, the television song they covered a lot yeah but like when they were like bubble gumming the songs right up, you know i, I think that, that there's definitely i mean it's kind of like the, what we were saying before about be mine where you could take be mine it's like you know what yeah 
they were they were afraid to make the song as sentimental as it could be but i'm going to i i see the the tenderness in the song i'm going to put the tenderness up front yeah like come on ed sheeran <laughs> yeah. you want to do it yeah totally well and God, I don't know. if ed sheeran covered be mine it would just be <laughs> such a hit it would be so big <laughs> I, would, I would love to hear it um, but yeah, I'll, I, I, I want to put in a word for take the rain. I like, I get, I get all of your, um, uh, concerns with it. It's like, it is kind of like, it's just like a very obvious song, but like, I, it, I, it seems it's feels like a hit to me. And like, I, like, I don't know, there's something about that where it's like, I don't know, it, like you can feel them like reaching for the stars with it. I don't know if it's a favorite song of the bands. I, I think it's not, but, um, but th- there's there's something in it. It's like I don't know. It, it's like a very. It's like there, there's like a lot of like like teen teen drama vibes on some REM songs, and that that one's got it. <laughs> so. Jack, how can people find you? Um, I am the best place to find me is is on my podcast, um, which you can find anywhere there are podcasts. It's currently called the Babysitters Club Club, so you can find me there, and that's all linked in my Twitter. I'm at ex president on Twitter, um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. Wonderful! Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks. This was really fun. <laughs> <laughs>